Hey everyone, welcome to Spawn Camp Podcast. Each week we focus on the games and media we love and all the positive things that set them apart. I'm Tony, your host, and this week I am joined by my good friends over in Florida, first of which we have Angel. Hi, I'm Angel. I'm a game designer and programmer, and I'm in Mount Dora. I keep accidentally saying Orlando. I used to be in Orlando. Get it right. But I'm in Mount Dora. I know. And also joined this week by Brendan as well. Hello, I'm Brendan. I am not a video game designer, but I do enjoy playing video games. <laughs> and that's all you really need. We're here because we love these things and just want to talk about them with people and hopefully share some fun, interesting, nuanced takes for what a bunch of white guys' impressions is worth. Very important. <laughs> Our story that was the first draft told. for the podcast name. <laughs> uh, yes, but I wanted to tell you all something i've been doing and am deciding to stop doing that i've been doing for the past few days is playing too much of a game called subnautica oh it is <laughs> it is one of the free games this month on playstation it is essentially you crash land on an alien planet that's predominantly water you go and forage for resources build fun vehicles and explore and i kept finding myself staying up until like 2 a.m playing it and my wife had a conversation with me. She's like, you're allowed to play games. You've been playing this one too much. Subnautica, <laughs> did she like, like, sit in the chair backwards? Subnautica <laughs> is the most immersive video game I have ever played. I did the exact same thing in the winter of 2018, where my girlfriend went away to visit her family for a couple days, and I played... I beat that game in like three days, legitimately. I stayed up till four in the morning to just... Because once you hit a groove with it... You can't stop. I mean, the, the the way that the game opens up to you. I didn't realize we were talking about Subnautica. I can I can wax on and on about that game. It, the the beta for the 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 Ice Age one has been out for a while, but I I was like I'm not touching that game till it's fully released because I don't want to know anything about it when I play it for the first time because the first one is is so good and I didn't even play it in VR. So I haven't played it and now I'm scared too. <laughs> So. It's yeah. I, I recommended it to to Alex, my brother. I was like, he loves a game called um, EV Override, where you're like a space trader and you fly to different solar systems and deal with resources and your ship. And I was like, honestly, this game would scratch that itch so hard for you. It's just managing resources, finding, exploring, discovering flora and fauna. It sounds really simple, and honestly, I could probably see a lot of parallels to something like No Man's Sky, mm -hmm. but there's something so relaxing about just being underwater. Well, relaxing to a point. There's some, there's some scary ass shit yeah. moments in there's, that game. There's some extreme thassalophobia, which is like fear of, you know, open water and the unknown. Um, there's some huge, huge creatures in that that will just get right up in your face and kill you brutally. Um, I'm playing on the mode where you don't have to eat or drink because I would not be oh. able to concentrate if I constantly had to be like, am I drinking enough water for my digital person? Because I don't <laughs> care. I don't care that much about it. I don't even do that in real life. Exactly. But yeah, that's what I've been doing. I would love to know what stuff you guys have been getting up to. I've been reading a book. I was so. going to say I've been reading. <laughs> I have been not playing as much because it's, it's slowly getting warm and I can sit outside with the book. <laughs> this is a book club now okay so i'm reading piranesi by Susanna clark and all i will say is that this is the best book i've ever written or written oh my god this is the best book i've ever read and i'm like halfway through it mm. you sent so. me a, a passage from it didn't you 
No, no, that was a comedy book, and that was incredible. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, one of the one of the lines in it. It's a, it's like the intro to a chapter. Angel sent me the picture of of the the page, and it's a woman talking about like how much she hates the fact her husband plays trumpet and that she wants to <laughs> to leave him. But the best sentence in it, and she was like. I assume the trumpet is an instrument that you put compressed air in and divorce comes out or something like that. And it just made me so like the way that that whole passage was written was brutal and brilliant. And I loved it. And I'm glad you're enjoying a good book as well. I'm reading a collection of essays called Pulphead. It's a little uh, essays are like when I don't read for a long time, like short essays are my, my foray back into reading. Um, because they're perfect for for my attention span when it comes to reading for some reason. I've never had someone be like, read this collection of essays. Yeah, so that's actually <laughs> that's how I that's how I roll, baby. That Maybe you should fun. get into it. So that that funny trumpet section, by the way, was the book "The Witches Are Coming." I don't remember the author, but I, I, I assume it's good. That that that's, that, that, that's, that's all. That you're right. You're right, Angel. This is all. Uh, fodder for our, our upcoming book club podcast uh it's book club uh, now um paper boys paper boys that's good. i'm gonna write that down yeah catch um, paper boys on spotify i'm glad you all have been reading and i need to get back into it i have a few non-fictions i need to get into but i more enjoy fiction especially when it comes to games and there is some wonderful uh storytelling and stuff that has been added to the most recent hearthstone expansion Hearthstone being the digital card game that Blizzard makes. I know that it is not everyone's bag or cup of tea. And Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate that, so we're not going to rail too hard in on it, but it's something that Brendan and I enjoy, and I wanted to have him on to chat about it and hopefully introduce all of you to. So how much do you know of the Forged in the Barrens changes that have come, Brendan? Oh, I'm quite keen to them. I've really been enjoying uh, the Grand Masters started yesterday, so I've been watching those. I watched the Masters Tour uh, a couple weeks ago to take a look at them. Uh, the truth is, though, for as much as I enjoy the state of the game and watching the game, I have not enjoyed playing the game as much, um, simply because of how brutal um, some of the classes are after this latest expansion. I'm feeling... I'm 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 feeling very much like uh, what it was like immediately after um, Ashes of Outland came out a year ago, where they were like, "What if Demon Hunter just stomps everyone's face into the ground?" And uh, we try that out for a little bit, which is exactly what it feels like <laughs> playing Mage and Paladin right now. Yeah, I'm imagining the designers around like a table, and they're like, "All right, so this time we're gonna have Demon Hunter." crush everyone for a bit like they actually like intended that and then it came out exactly as they wanted you know honestly the way they wrote some of those cards i wouldn't be surprised some of them (laughs) at launch and even still to this day are like how is this even remotely balanced it's so ridiculous listen you have to have good cards if you're gonna have or good and bad cards it's just it's things where like you know arcane intellect is a three mana draw to that's been a staple in mage deck through the the past year that i've played the meta and they're like what if we released a zero mana draw two for mage and with Encantress flow it's a zero mana draw to gain one mana like it, it it all cascades very quickly 
that's why it's been fun to watch Masters, or Grandmasters, I should say, because uh, plays that I would never think about making that actually make decks competitive with the the overpowering decks like Mage and Paladin, like their, their win rates are a lot more stable there. And so it's like, oh, when really good players use these things, a class like Rogue is a lot more viable because um, Rogue is a very heavily... Uh, Rogue is a class that I was probably my most played, um, and I just I, I struggle with the skill cap that's come out with this expansion. There's I have no idea who I'm supposed to shadow step. I have no lo- idea how long I'm supposed to hold the octopus that reduces all my cards by a mana. Um, the decision making <laughs> has just I know what what a sentence. Um, but the decision- I'm like just trying to follow, and it's so funny because I haven't played in so long, and you're like a two mana draw two, and I'm like, uh, okay, so mana is the resource, and then <laughs> I actually just figured out that Grandmasters was the esports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and but- that it makes sense now. Okay. But yeah, so like watching them play these like a, a deck like Rogue that I've learned that like with this new expansion again, they've I feel like this expansion has increased the skill cap for the game which is which is wonderful like even no minion mage which is super broken there is still a decent amount of decision making to be made about when am i using my deck of lunacy how am i how much burn do i need to draw before i want to transform them how much pressure do i need to put on the board um in the early game like there's good there, and that's a great example of, of listening examples there's a lot of <clears throat> like um, really difficult decisions to be made, um, but with the discrepancy in the class power now, <clears throat> it feels like those games where um, it's it's kind of a battle back and forth are fewer and far between. Like decks feel like a lot more frequently than they used to that they just kind of steamroll. But the games that do feel good and do feel engaging feel really fun and really interesting. I, I want to touch on the the kind of core changes that have happened to the game with this expansion because the way that the Blizzard team normally approaches like every few months they'll release a new set of cards and cycle out old cards so that the game stays fresh and it's really really easy to do that with the digital game and it's especially easy to do that with digital cards that you don't have to print and disallow and anything like that. And one of the big changes that they made to the actual way the game works with this expansion is they were like, they've taken out the concept of basic cards, which are essentially the normal cards that every player has that's kind of sets a framework for what all of their other, you know, class cards and expansion cards will be built on. It's kind of like a foundation set of cards. It's like when you first get the game, those are the cards everyone has, right? Because I, yeah. I remember they had something like that before. Was it not called basic? That's what I mean, is that they've had basic cards, uh, which sounds redundant, but just yeah, a base <laughs> set that everyone has. And okay. they're changing that and cycling it into something called core because you had to play and level all the different classes in order to get all of the basic cards. And they've created a thing called a core set where it's basically... After this expansion, you know, if you haven't played in a long time, you'll load up the game. They're like, hey, here's 235 free cards. That's the core set. You can do whatever you want with that. And with the core set, they kind of approached some of the problem cards from basic or the basic set and made them, you know, put them away in a locker. And they're like, these aren't for standard anymore. And standard are like the competitive cards. But in doing that, they've kind of competitive like cards that are good for competition or competitive like you the, the oh cards you mean like the used, ones like in rotation yes, cards that are used in the format that grandmasters plays 
Oh, okay. So the ones you're like allowed to use in like normal competitive matches because they eventually kind of start taking cards out of it. So, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So one of the key things that Hearthstone does because it's a digital card game is they utilize um, RNG, which is random number generation or basically just random elements to kind of spice up the gameplay. It's a very spicy game, and that's what can make the, <laughs> the Grandmaster stuff really exciting, because you can have someone be, like, winning, steamrolling, whatever, and then a pro player will play a card that's like, I'm going to let the game decide if I win or not, basically. <laughs> like Yogg. And they, yeah, they introduced a card last expansion that literally spins a wheel on screen, and one of the outcomes is like basically we'll shoot damage at each player until someone dies. And that's one of the choices. <laughs> and that's the most pure RNG kind of thing they can do where you're just like, okay, whatever happens at the end of this, we'll have a winner. You know, I play this card and someone will win. Um, but the other elements of that where they have something called discover where you like play a card and it will give you three random cards that are in rotation or whatever. By introducing the core set, they've really beefed up those options and those choices and by beefing up those choices you make a lot of the decks that rely on randomness way too strong and and a card that i know i'm talking a lot but i'm I'm almost done (laughs) a card that brendan mentioned called deck of lunacy is one i wanted to bring up because it's kind of dominated the play style of what everyone's doing right now it's a mage legendary spell that changes all of the spells in your deck into ones that that are way better like they cost more but they they keep the same price so you get like discounted super good spells that are full in your deck. So My you're basically God. just kind of, it's still random. You know, you're drawing cards you didn't put in your deck, but they're really good and really cheap. And really consistent. But it means that, and super consistent, you can kind of well, tweak. How, how are they consistent if they're so, random? You can explain yeah, so this. this is, so Mage runs a couple really powerful seven mana spells, right? It runs Mask of Cthulhu, which is deal 10 random damage that can hit face. So if your opponent doesn't have any minions on board, it's a seven mana deal 10. Um, that's when De- Deck of Lunacy isn't used. They also have um, a Flame Strike, which got buffed with the new core set and now does five damage to all enemy minions. It's their key board clear. When Deck of Lunacy is played, all of those 7 mana spells become 10 mana spells. And there's only two 10 mana spells in the game. Um, The Druid one, which I'm blanking, Survival of the Fittest, uh, which gives every minion in your hand, deck, and field plus 4 plus 4. Which, if you have a board at all, is essentially uh, game over if you can stick a board for one turn. And the other one is Negrand Slam, which is uh, summon four, <laughs> three, five uh, beasts that attack a random enemy character. And so again, if your opponent doesn't have any minions on board, it's a 10 mana deal 12 to face. And so it's a it's better than a Pyroblast. And so this makes it so that if those seven mana spells are in your deck, you basically have guaranteed heavy hitter spells. And again, Negrand Slam and Survival of the Fittest are normally 10 mana spells. With Deck of Lunacy, they're 7 mana spells. So you can play a 3 mana spell. So it essentially all comes out to, you can play, if you played a 3 mana Deck of Lunacy spell and a 7 mana Negrand Slam or Survival of the Fittest, you're really playing a 6 mana spell and then one of those insanely powerful 10 mana spells. Um, so you can get a full board clear oh, okay. and then hit them for 12 in the face or something like that. And so because... I, I think I get yeah, it. Yeah, the expensive spells the, there's like, are so limited, they're very consistent. Exactly, right? Like, I guess it's random, 
but with the changes there's, in the there's enough deck. like limitations yeah okay and so that makes sense. and so that's I, why the deck has been tailored around picking spell costs so that the spell that they ramp into with deck of lunacy is always going to be good you want to hit that that five mana spell pool right from your two mana spells because they're really strong or that 10 mana spell pool from your seven mana spells because they're really strong and so um and the deck alone is still really good because it has an insane amount of burn they printed a deck and i think this is where part of the the difficulty of what they're trying to the balance they're trying to strike with this expansion is which is that um the last expansion skullamance made it probably the most rng heavy meta that there has been or with the addition of classes that revolve around the discovery mechanic you know rogue was essentially a discovery class with miracle rogue priest was is a full discovery class um and so now uh with all of that rng with the buffed core set improving the consistency of that rng um, it just feels like those decks that are meant to high roll to feel good just high roll way more often. Yeah. This is what, like, sp- like when I tune into, like, a sports channel, <laughs> you That's know, what when people called. are, like, on ESPN the sports channel. talking about, like, the stats for players and shit, and it just goes, like, way over my head. <laughs> that was the same thing you're like, like, when, you, when the numbers really started coming in, I'm like, yo... This is sports now. <laughs> so, that, yeah, my my hope was was to potentially, you know, I, I don't want anyone to feel super lost. Um, apologies. But the, the other thing about that is with all these different cards, with the different ways that we can play this set and the kind of introduction with, you know, different kind of approaches and how people might be picking the same one. You know, I'm here lamenting a deck of lunacy deck, but I'm having to play it because it's the only one that I'm getting wins with. Um, and playing against it isn't isn't fun so i'm either having to play other decks and destroy them or mirror match against another deck of lunacy deck and then just we're both not having fun um so it's it's kind of a problem right now but i know that uh angel you and i have talked before about how random stuff can actually work and i would love to have your kind of feedback on from a game development standpoint what that actually means because i know it's different than what i think it means yeah, so random number generation is something that's been around literally forever, like before video games. If you think about Dungeons and Dragons, something that inspired just about every game designer <laughs> ever, um, the the core premise of Dungeons and Dragons is you're rolling dice, right? So randomness is interesting because computers can do it, and it can just instantly add dynamics to a game, right? If a game is fully deterministic, which means like, uh, you know, a certain amount of input goes in from the player. Like, if you do certain things, other things will always happen. Like, it's there is no randomness. Then that can be incredibly boring, but it also can be really hard to make a game that has a ton of content if all of the content is like this always happens the same way, like a like a story game, right? You have to write the story, and maybe it has branching storylines, but like once you hear all the story, you've played the game. So one thing that's really popular now because of indie is having roguelikes and stuff like RNG is has always been there, but it's coming back even more. And what's interesting about it is that it's it's uh, it's this it's this like forbidden black Mm -hmm. magic tool in a way because you can use it 
and it can do all this cool magic stuff where it's like your game has, you know, dynamics now. But it can also be really dangerous. And one of the ways that it can really be dangerous is that true randomness is never, ever what people want. Like, the human brain does not perceive true randomness as randomness because the human brain forms patterns. So what is, like, if you played a game where you can get loot, true randomness means that there's a player out there that can play the game for 10,000 hours and never get the drop he wants because that can just happen. That That is, like, one of the outcomes possible if you have true randomness. So a lot of game design ends up being putting walls around it. And I feel like listening to this Hearthstone stuff, right, one of the walls that, that they can put around it is, okay, we know the pool of cards. We're going to say uh, this does, like, this will give you a random card of a certain cost, right? So that way you don't end up with, like, like, if it was truly random, someone would play a card and then their entire deck becomes Pyroblast yeah. or something. So they are definitely, and I know this for a fact, because every game designer at any time will always do this. They're, they're putting limits on RNG. It's like tailored RNG. And the way you do that can be very nuanced and very interesting. Like, I'm pretty sure that they make it unlikely for you to draw the same card twice in Hearthstone. That sounds weird, but... Let's say there's two copies of a card or more in your deck. If you've drawn one, I bet it's a little bit less likely to draw it again. That's interesting. Just because that's one of those thing that that's one of those things that true randomness can can occur in true randomness. But if it happened, the player would go, it "That was awful. dumb." <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what real randomness is. But it feels awful. It can change game to game too. Um, I, and you're right. Like I detect patterns, and I know that. If it were designed a different way, I wouldn't necessarily have fun with certain things where you can, like, have a key card in your deck and you just never draw it or you'll, like, yep. never play a, a round or you'll play, like, four rounds in a row where you don't draw it. And I noticed, and again, me finding patterns, I noticed when I build a deck, often the first time I play a game with that deck, I'll win. And that's me going against another live person. <laughs> And it's probably know. coincidence, but I often find it's like, especially if I build it off of the game has inherent deck recipes, especially when new expansions come out, they're like, try one of these pre-made ones that we've thought of that has this set of cards in it. I'll like try one of the deck recipes and have good success with that deck on the first game. And I feel like, and this is me being a little, you know, tinfoil <laughs> hat it's like, it's them being like, here's how this deck works. You did it. You beat the person. I know that's not probably what's happening, but I, in my head, that's the pattern I'm forming as I'm like, well, it could happen, which is what's interesting. Like, I know for a fact that's totally within their power to create those sorts of outcomes. And do you guys know about uh, the gambler's fallacy? Yeah. So the gambler's fallacy is like, say you're at a slot machine and you haven't won in a while. The gambler's fallacy says that you're more likely to win now because you haven't won in a while. Or actually, the best example is like you're flipping mm -hmm. coins, right? Let's say I start flipping a coin and I get like eight heads in a row. How likely is it that my next flip is going to be 50 tails? 50. It's 50-50, right. right? Which doesn't sound right because if you, if you told someone like, what are the odds I flip nine heads in a row? It's like incredibly minuscule. But for that next flip, it, it literally is just 50-50 every time. 
But the gambler's fallacy says that there's patterns that don't actually exist. And the job of a game designer when there's randomness in a game is often to create gambler's fallacy, to make it real, because we expect gambler's fallacy. It feels right in our brains that if you get you know, really lucky a certain amount of times, that's probably going to run out. Or if you've been unlucky for a while, you're going to get lucky. I know for a fact, for sure, for sure, that they do that on the the cards you get from packs. Yes. Like if you yes. haven't had a legendary in a while, you are more and more likely Every 40 to cards, get a legendary. And that's usually legendary. the, yeah. It's called like a pity legendary. <laughs> exactly. And that's that's something I've done a ton. Like basically what you do is you you have a certain weight so you say, you know, you have a 5%, it's probably way less than that, but let's say 5% chance of getting a legendary card plus a certain modifier for each pack you've opened that hasn't been a legendary card. So it starts to go up and up and up and up, and then you get one and then it goes back down. And over time, like it, it shakes out to essentially what they want, right? And what's interesting is like randomness over a huge sample size also does shake out. Like, if you gave everyone, like, 10,000 packs, they'd all have roughly the same amount of legendaries. But the problem is some people will have, you know, 500 in a row. And that yeah. doesn't feel right. So the, tr- the trick is to spread it artificially out and just make it, yeah, again, like, to make gambler's fallacy I think where real. Hearthstone has to find and it can the be balance tricky. is that, and, and, and this is just kind of, like, my own opinion of, like, RNG and gaming, but, like, I think RNG feels significantly worse when you're playing a human if i'm playing a game where it's like a pve environment or where i know that the things that are being generated are of and from the game i like i, I just go well that's just roll the dice right like I, there's nothing against it but when i'm losing to another person because of rng that hits me the wrong way that feels awful because it's fundamentally competitive right and i want to beat that person and i want to get better and so losing to rng feels so much worse in a competitive environment because ideally it's the majority of the skill is in your ability to navigate and not in them hitting just an absolutely broken jandis on turn four with coin um and and then i walk away and and it's worse for people who play your point about volume is so important because if I played eight hours of Hearthstone a day, a day that would feel less bad. That's it's too not much. enough, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I played eight hours of Hearthstone a day, that randomness I can just shake off, right? Because eventually, like I'm playing it so often that I know that it's just like another one of the ten thousand hits that I'm going to get. But if I'm only playing three or four games yep. in a night, because that's all the time I have, which is what a lot of you know casual players do. And one of those games, I just flat out lose because of an unbelievable RNG. Uh, then that's going to make me less inclined to want to play the game long term. Yep. If you want an interesting example of like RNG mm-hmm. ethics, so so getting random cards or having random effects in Hearthstone shake out a certain way randomly, and whether they manipulate that or not, and how strongly, that's one thing. But what I've always wondered, because this sounds a lot like an experience I have playing something like Overwatch mm-hmm. or a shooter, right? It's the same thing. If I barely play Overwatch and then I come back after a long day of work and I want to play a match or a series of matches and I lose all of them, that yep. feels horrible because I don't have, you know, I don't have a huge volume of Overwatch to play where I, I can shrug that off. But the RNG in that case is the people I'm teamed yes. up with. 
often, and, right? Like, and that you're if playing it's six against... v six, yeah, you're one twelfth of the equation. Right. So there's so much randomness in your teammates, and I always wonder, like, uh, I mean, fundamentally, matchmaking, the concept of tracking how well you're doing and putting you up against people who are better or worse, is them kind of putting their hands on the scale of randomness for how your teams well, are built. They said. And I'm just so fascinated by that calculus. It's their That's a design hard one to get goal right. to have your matches be a coin flip. They've explicitly stated that in the case of Overwatch, that their goal is to make it so to be so that when you enter a game, you're 50-50. And I've always wondered if that if that part if that transitions into streaks. Like if you lose five, six, or seven, are they going to turn the gambler's fallacy on you and start putting you in games where they know that you'll likely do really well, so that you can win four or five or six or seven? Um, so I have been in that position. Um, I have that experience a lot in Overwatch, where I'm like, I'm gonna play some, and I have an awful, awful time. Um, more so, my wife. She like that that ability to pursue the gambler's fallacy requires a lot of mental fortitude yep. is the best way yep. i can put that in a in a smart sounding sentence it's just like how much human energy do i have to deal yep. with this much loss and one day <laughs> whether it was my medication or whatever i had a lot of human energy to deal with loss and i put that to the test and i lost 16 Whoa. times in a row in overwatch and for context you know each match in an overwatch game is like maybe 15 minutes minimum so that's, that's a like, lot of losing that was like my whole day and i was like you know what you know it wasn't worth pursuing that where i was just i wasn't even like i'm gonna win the next one i was just like i wonder how many times in a row i can lose mm -hmm. and i wasn't trying to lose you know it just it, it was like oh i can just lose i can just I can just lose the whole time. I can just not stop <laughs> losing. That is that is what I've discovered. And um, Tony's yeah, big I'm, L budget. I'm I'm here to say that uh, yeah, don't don't push yourself too hard. You know, it's it's about having fun, and fun is sub subjective. Uh, so a couple things to 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 kind of like I think put a pin in the in the Hearthstone thing that I want to that I want to mention because I think that they're really critical. Um. I think that the changes that have come with the core set and with the rewards track as part of Forge and the Barons have been very, very good for the game. I, I Again, I haven't played the game that much in the past week or so because of where the meta is, but even playing the game for a couple hours for that those first two or three days after the release, I had already hit level 25, which was really solid. Like I was a quarter of the way through the rewards track. And so I feel like the rewards that come in are really solid. I feel like the the, the cards that they provide um, are, are, are really good with the rewards track, getting Mancrick, um, getting um, the 1-4 Frenzy. So I think that they're moving the game in a really strong direction. Uh, I think that hopefully engagement can start to tick up. I just think that they need to do a better job of balancing th the initial release patch that comes out and not doing the, the standard Blizzard thing of, we'll make something really broken so that people want to play it and then we'll slowly tune it back. Just because I'm not a person who, uh, who likes playing the meta deck at any given time. Because, I don't know, it feels a little bit like yeah. cheating. You know what I mean? 
Like, if I'm going to climb and and get better, like, I want to do it with a deck that I really have to navigate the ins and outs and learn how it plays against different classes. And so I don't like just jumping jumping on the fastest deck to get to Legend. So um, they're doing a great job, like I said, with with the the rewards track and with the changes. They have the new roguelike that's going to be coming out um, that's like a new game mode. Um, Battlegrounds has been a little bit stale recently, but hopefully they can come out with some big changes for that. I still enjoy playing Battlegrounds very much and it's actually mostly what i've been playing for the past week or so um so i i if you haven't played hearthstone if you played hearthstone a, while, a long time ago and are looking to get back into it um as tony mentioned you only need to get to level 10 with one character to get the whole core set um you get a lot of good stuff in the early rewards track there's some easy like stealth road class you can play um that will let you climb pretty quickly um it, it's the best time it's ever been to get back in the game um and uh watch grandmasters grandmasters is fantastic like i said if you if you're just interested in what the counterplay looks like and, and and what the meta looks like right now uh grandmasters is just a really great way to to kill some time put it on the background while you're making dinner um the announcers are great they're all incredible shout out to all of them i'm glad you've been having a fun time watching it there really has never been a better time to hop in I know I won't be able to convince you, Angel, just because you have so much going on all the time. You can barely play short things, and that's fine. <laughs> it was but, funny how much Brendan answered all my questions as I was thinking them. I was like, but is it a good time to jump into Hearthstone? He's like, it's, it's a- the best time to jump into Hearthstone. <laughs> and then yeah. you're like, watch Grandmasters. I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. Do they have like casters and stuff? And you're like, the, uh, the announcers are fantastic. Yeah, they've upped the production level it's, uh, they, it's they, fun. this this year um, from last year. Um, like I said, for me, it's just, even now, I'm even if I'm not really playing, um, it, it's just, uh, I, the, the, like I said, the skill level of the game is so high right now and the skill cap that watching those GM players uh, navigate these decks is really, really, really interesting. It's still good for new players. Even though there's a high school, mm-hmm. well, like how does that play? So into- it's good for new players. So a new player coming in wouldn't want to play a high skill cap deck necessarily. But what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to get to that core set. Like you want to get a class to level ten where you can play the core set. And so there are some good budget decks like Agro Rogue that are really really cheap. You can essentially play right out the box. That'll let you climb and really start to feel out the game. And then what I like to do is then you okay. can pick. You know, after you kind of get your feet wet and, and you feel really comfortable, look at one of those higher skill cap decks, craft that deck specifically, and then just drill that deck. That's where Hearthstone is the most fun for me, is picking the deck that has the most room for creativity, the most variance in play styles, and then just playing that deck over and over and over and over again. That's where you really feel the reward of Hearthstone, um, is learning how does this deck play against each of the nine different classes? How does it play against each of those archetypes? What mulligans am I looking for? You know what I mean? It's a, it's a lot of skill involved. It's, it's a lot of fun, and I'm glad that they've opened it up more to new people and that we've been able to explore kind of the, the randomness there and kind of how that can factor into the fun of it but we do have a pre-designed predestined point where we do end and it is that time of the show where we come to a conclusion um the fire is dwindling yeah the fire is going out we've eaten all of our s'mores it's time for us to go home and for me it's time for me to make some dinner and feed my dog as well because he will keep crying if i do not feed him (laughs) but that is what they do yeah Uh, they cry we 
We love to hear from all of you whenever you um, reach out and send your messages our way. Uh, if you want to reach us, you can always hit our email up at spawncamppodcast at gmail.com. And also we are spawn underscore camp on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to rate and review us, usually on Apple Podcasts. It really does help. And if you wanted to reach any of us individually, where would they reach out to you, Angel? They can reach out to me at... I always say at, and then I remember that the beginning of a Twitter is at. Anyway, at Angel Game Dev on Twitter. And I know that you don't have any socials, Brendan, but where uh, potentially if you wanted someone to play with you on Hearthstone, what would your uh, Battle.net friend uh, be? Yeah, so my, my Battle.net is Radio Cove, hashtag 1615. I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, otherwise, you can attach a piece of parchment to the leg of an owl and it will find my house, and I will read the note. It'll always get to his it's house. So it's so weird. weird. Like, I've done it that. It happened. It came with the it's house. Fine. I don't it understand. Was, it was... It, it, oh. Yeah, it's a new thing realtors are doing. Okay. That explains it. If you wanted to reach me, you can always hit me up at Tony Ray UK on Instagram and Twitter. And thank you all so much for listening. We will see you here next week. See you next week. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Bye. <laughs>